This is an exciting morning. Are you guys excited? I, I am. I mean, I, uh, I probably drove my wife crazy last night because I couldn't sleep. And so I was up and down and everything else. And it's not nervousness. It's just excitement to see what God's going to do. And I have to tell you that um, it, as we've gone through this process, uh, normally I'm, I, I'm trying to encourage as many people as possible. I'm, I'm trying to challenge people. I'm trying to disciple. I'm, I'm trying to do all I can to be a blessing to this congregation. Through this capital campaign, I've been the one that's been blessed. I've been the one that's been encouraged. I've been the one that's been challenged. And thank you. We have so many talented people and so many people that, that God has touched. And it has been a spiritually filling process for me. I have to tell you, uh, I, I've really enjoyed our Sunday mornings in our young families class. And we have some serious disciples in that young families class. And they're serious about giving. They're serious about passing on the things that are first importance to their children. And it is encouraging to be with that group. Um, and I want to share one other thing. I'm glad Nelson and his wife are here. And Nelson Eagle is going to be uh, heading up and, and helping us get this preschool going. And Nelson asked a very important question to one of our leaders he said, if we bring these kids to this, is the church ready for these families? Is our children's ministry ready to double? Are, are we ready for the kingdom to be expanded? And that's the type of person I want to do business with. That it's not just about revenue. It's, it's not about, about a business. It's about God using this facility as a tool for the kingdom. And so, Nelson, I appreciate your heart and what you want to do for this kingdom with the gifts that you've been given. Well, we're in our final week, not just of the campaign and, and setting up for what we're doing after uh, I'm done this morning, but we're also in our final week of a story, and I, I hope it's not too long talking about what God has done, and if you look at the, the history of God's people, this 100-year segment is really crucial. Because God has redeemed his people after 400 years of slavery. He's brought them into the promised land. And what God said was going to happen, happened. And God's people strayed. And so this is an important year, you know, 100-year period after 70 years of being in exile. God said, it's time to come back. And I've got bigger plans for my people and what's going to be happening in Jerusalem. So we've got to get this city rebuilt. We've got to get the temple going. And so this 100-year period, God does some incredible things with three waves of people that come back a little bit at a time to establish and hold hands with the past, saying this is the way God intended for his, his people to interact, but also preparing for something greater that God had in store. But for 91 years, we talked about last week, yeah, they've gotten some stuff done. They got the, the temple up and going. But for 91 years, after the first wave came back, they've struggled. And, and Jerusalem is still in shambles. The walls haven't gone up. There's no business going on. People can come and go as they please. And they, they've got this temple in the middle of it, but no one can live there. And so they're living out in the countryside. Then they come in. They're living in other cities. They come in for different times, for different festivals. And so in a 52-day time period, from the time that Nehemiah comes back and organizes the people, the wall is built. It's just an amazing 
period and, and to see what God was doing. And not just the walls coming up, but really making Jerusalem a place where people wanted to live. A, a place where they could do business and do commerce. Where they could actually close the gates and protect themselves at night. How did they do it? And so these are the lessons we talked about last week in that God assembled a diverse group of leaders, gifted people that all gave of their time and their talents to help bring this about. We see Zerubbabel, the builder, that came back and helped them to move the rubble off and start setting out the quadrants for, for how big the temple was going to be and got them going. And then you have Ezra, the preacher, that brings in another wave of people and, and gets them involved in Scripture and gets them looking about their lives saying, guys, it's not just about raising and, and building this temple. It's also about the temple God's building inside of you. And we've got to be a holy people, righteous unto the Lord. And then finally, Nehemiah, the businessman, the organizer, that says, okay, um, we've been given a task and it hadn't gotten done. I need to take a leave of absence from being cupbearer and uh, head counselor to the king. I, I know this is a cush job and it's great. My family loves it here. I've got to use my time and, and, and my talents. God is, is pulling my heart to go do this for this season. When are you coming back? I, I don't know. But for a season, I've got to come in and help these people. And help he did. Secondly, God called in an expansive group of workers. We talked last week about for 52 days, they all worked. And, and for some, some of the shopkeepers and, and, and people that were more skilled and more, more trained, they were able to say, hey, you guys go ahead. I've got this section of wall. And there were some people from, from out of town that came in and go, okay, give us a bigger section, the guys from Jericho. And then there were some people that were like, okay, I, my health is not great. I, I don't really know what I'm doing. But I'll at least take care of the pile of rocks in front of, of my house. And so this is what I look at every day. You guys take care of everything else. I'll take care of my front yard. I want to make sure I'm at least doing the bare minimum of that. And so the whole town got together. And they put in this time for 52 days. So finally God inspired a sacrificial group of givers. So in all three waves, there were people that gave and gave and gave in order for this to happen. And finally, when they're rebuilding Jerusalem, the leaders said, guys, we, we've got to pass the plate one more time. And the leaders went first, and they said, we want to announce what, what we've given. And so it said that the people got together, and, and they matched what the leaders had done. They even gave a little bit more. But it was important for the leaders to step out first and say, this is important. We're not just leading, uh, but God has called us to lead sacrificially. And so that's what they did. And so when the last brick was laid, in the, in the last gate that they got together, don't you know there's a big celebration when they went and kind of hung it on there, and they're like, close it and make sure it works. You know, and they put the little blockade over there. Yeah, we're done. We're done. So it was time to celebrate. So what did they do? Well, Ezra's like, okay, we're done with this building stuff. Let's get back into the Word. And so they gathered everyone together in, in kind of the downtown square. And they had to clear some rubble out because there's still a lot of stuff to be done. And they said, let's get together. Well, when are we going to meet? Uh, well, when the sun comes up. 
And so at sunrise, they all got together in the downtown square, and Ezra starts reading from the law and, and starts teaching them until noontime. So he would have gone longer, but they had to get to the cafeteria before another group did. And, you know, okay, that was funny. But can you imagine a six-hour sermon? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah, there we go. We're going to go six today. So Ezra's like, this is important. Don't miss that while we're talking about building this city, that God is building something inside of you. So finally, Nehemiah says, okay, your efforts have been here, but God's been watching over us. And it's time for us to dedicate this wall and it's time to dedicate this city to his glory. So what happens within these walls will all be a praise and will glorify the name of God. So let's read together Nehemiah chapter 12 starting in verse 30. Sorry, verse 27. At the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem. The Levites were sought out from where they had lived. Remember, no one's really living in Jerusalem. Just a handful of people around the perimeter, but they have to rebuild everything else. They were brought into Jerusalem to celebrate joyfully the dedication with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals and harps and lyres. So they're getting everyone together, and there's, boy, there's just this buzz that, that's starting to happen as they're like, we're going to lift this all up to the Lord. In verse 30, when the priests and the Levites pulled themselves away and, and they purified themselves ceremoniously, saying, if we're going to go before the people as God's representative, we got to be ready. And so they did. And so they went through all the rituals. And so they came walking out in their robes. And they're, they're ready to go. Then they purified the people. And then they purified the gates and the, and the wall. I had the leaders of Judah... Go up on top of the wall. So if you can imagine, they're inside the city. They're in their downtown area. And, and they're like, okay, we want our leaders. We're going to watch them. They're going to go up the staircase that leads up to the wall that people on the outside don't have access to. It's just inside. And so all the leaders are like, okay. And so they go walking up onto the wall. So they're all watching their leaders up there on, on top. And he said, the leaders go up on top of the wall. I assigned two large choirs or praise teams to go and, and to give thanks. One was to proceed on the top of the wall to the right towards the dung gate. Hosiah and, and half the leaders of Judah followed them. And Ezra, the teacher of the law, led the procession. They let the preacher go first and, and do this. And at the fountain gate, they kind of rounded the corner. They continued directly up to the steps of the city of David on the ascent to the wall and, and passed above the side of David's palace that had been kind of rebuilt and to the water gate on the, uh, the, water gate on, on the east. If you read earlier, it, it had been destroyed. Well, now it, it's, it's this bubbling spring has been restored. Well, the second half of the choir proceeded in the opposite direction. You see the people watching them as they're going around? I followed them on top of the wall. So Nehemiah is with the group. Together with half the people, 
past the tower of the ovens. You can smell the bread and everything. And the broad wall. And, and over the gate of Ephraim into Jeshana gate. And, and then the fish gate. Whole new smells. And, and then the tower of Hananel. And, and the tower of the hundred. And as far as the sheep gate. So they're kind of coming around, right? And at the gate of the guard, they stopped. And they waited for the other group. In verse 40. The two choirs then gave thanks and took their places in the house of God. And so did I. And on that day, they offered up great sacrifices, rejoicing, because God had given them great joy. And it wasn't just the men. The the women and the children were also there for this worship service. And they rejoiced. And the sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. They're back. We're a city, and God is among us. Can you hear the praise? People that could sing, uh, were great, you know, they're in the choir, we're singing their hearts out, and the people that can't sing, we're drowning them out. You know what I mean? Have you ever been in those service? You hear that one person, they don't know they're singing off key, but they, you know, they love Jesus. And they're just belting it out. And they could hear it echoing. They're up on the, you know, Jerusalem. If you ever been, it, it's up on a hill. And so it's echoing down to the Kidron Valley and on around and going to the hilltops. And for miles and miles around, they heard the people singing because God was with them. And there was a joy that just captured them. I think it's easy sometimes for us to read this and go, okay, well, they built a wall. And we minimize the importance of what took place here. I have to tell you, it was not just a completion of a wall. It was a fulfillment of three prophetic promises. And, And it dates back to the time of Abraham. Abraham, at the time, God says, this is, I consider Abraham my friend. And so I want you to be a father of a great nation. And, and so two separate occasions, he calls him. He goes, I want you to be a, a people set apart unto me. And I want to bless you. And I want you to love me in return. And I want there to be this relationship that just works. And you're going to be unlikely victors in war because I'm going to be fighting alongside you. And it's not just that I want the Jewish people to be awesome. You're going to be like the the stars up in the sky. And in the sand on the sea, that's how you're just going to keep growing and growing. But I want you to be a light to the nations. I want people to understand how awesome I am based on what's happening among my people. And so these promises that have been cast aside get brought back. It's just incredible. God's purpose, his people would be a light unto the nations. Isaiah 2 and Zechariah 8, these prophecies are now happening as God's people come back and are brought from, you know, far away and in different places. And they've been taken into captivity. Now they're coming back, like Isaiah said in Zechariah, and like it had been promised to Abraham. So God's purpose has been restored. Nehemiah 6 and verse 16 says, Boy, when our enemies heard us singing... When they heard about this, that the walls are up and they've got gates that close at night. He said the surrounding nations were afraid. And they lost their self-confidence. 
They no longer were bragging about their power over the Jews because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Whatever this church accomplishes, the worst thing that can be said is we did it of, of our own might, that the plans were of ours. I want what we do as a congregation to point to God and say, how'd they do that? God was among, God was leading the charge. God was opening doors. God was ensuring this kingdom outpost would thrive and his work would go out because these are people united with God. So God's purpose was reinstilled. Number two, God's presence. He would commune with his people in the new temple. Ezekiel 40 through chapter 48 and Zechariah chapter 2. It's hard sometimes for us to understand. But maybe if you've been away from the church for a long time. And it's that first Sunday back. And, and you get that bread. And it reminds you of what it was like when you were a teenager. And, and you come back in. And, and, and you take that communion. And then the fruit of the vine and things that you had forgotten about come rushing back in. And you find yourself reestablishing your relationship with God. That's what they're talking about. So God's people have strayed. And now they're getting into a rhythm. Ezra's talking about the, the law. And they're like, okay, I heard these stories as a kid. Now it's time for me to step up and live into this. Let's get this on the calendar. Let's put the, the Feast of the Tents, and we're going to build one up on our house. We haven't built one in years. I've heard about it, but we want to build this booth, and we're going to stay out there and, and sacrifice to God. And then we're going to get the next one on the calendar and the next one. And I'm going to start raising my kids like I was raised. And so it, it's a restoring of God's presence and community that the that the. The prophet said, it's going to happen, and now it's happened. It's so much more than a wall. Finally, God's plans. Here's what's hard. The future Messianic king would come from these exiles, Isaiah chapter 11 and Hosea chapter 3. They had no idea what God was up to. All they knew is they were, they were called to be faithful in their time, to come back to a land that most of them had never seen. They only heard about to reestablish God's people because God had a plan for his son that was going to be coming hundreds of years later. They had no idea. And the things that we do now, we're being faithful on this day and tomorrow and the day after that, not knowing what God is up to. I love the story of Sixto Rivera when he came and shared a story about a missionary named Mr. White that for whatever reason, he got lost one day or something, he wandered up a dirt pathway up to the Rivera house and baptized Sixto's father and mother. And eventually Sixto, and so now Sixto, I, I, I jokingly call him the, the Pope of Central America, but what he's doing to disciple leaders of leaders of leaders all over Central America happened because one guy didn't know exactly what he was doing, but God led him up a driveway. We have no idea what we're doing. God's asking us to be faithful. We're going to let him take our faithfulness and walk with it from there. Because God has plans that we have no idea. So God's purpose and God's presence and God's plans were put forward. 
I too believe what we are doing today as a church is so much more than retrofitting our campus or even our work here locally in the community and what we'll do in El Salvador. I believe that we too are living into God's purpose for us. Grady King came and filled in for me last year and talked about how many churches are shrinking or shutting their doors Imagine the hope that goes out. I don't know about your church. At High Point, they're doing a massive renovation and they're reaching their community. God's pulling people to them. God's church still matters. High Point Church is making room for the people God's bringing our direction. And may our light shine brightly in Collin County and El Salvador and to the very ends of this earth. And may we, as Nelson had talked about, be ready for these families God's going to be bringing us because they will be coming through our doors. We've got to be ready for that. Number two, God's presence. He's here. Can you feel it, church? Can you feel that God is leading this? Can you feel God is pulling things together? I, I wish every one of you could see the beehive of activity that happens in our office hour it's incredible the amount of hours that our leaders are taking off of their jobs, using their expertise to help put in very tedious things like going over contracts and doing things and making plans and picking this, that, and the other. It, it is incredible how this project and this campaign has activated seriously hundreds of people that say, use me. <laughs> I, I, I want to be helpful. If I can be helpful, I, I want to do it. God's presence is here, like during the days of Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah. The financial sacrifices that we make to our Father communicate how important He is and how important God's kingdom is. I hope, if nothing else, you're having conversations with your young adults. You're having conversations with your children and grandchildren about financial decisions you're making because God's kingdom is important. God is with us. And finally, God's plans that we would pass on to our children that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords and the kids God has already brought us and the ones that will come. Did you read this morning's 40 Days of Prayer? Seven-year-old Hattie Nelson prayed for us this morning. Here's what she wrote. She quoted Paul's letter to the church at Thessalonica. She said, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's easy to be thankful when things go my way, but it can be really hard in tough times. Seven years old. I had cancer this year, and it was very scary. When I was sick, I learned a lot about Jesus learned a lot about prayer, I learned a lot about faith, and I learned a lot about hope. I learned that if you can find things to be thankful for in tough times, it makes it a lot easier to get through these tough times. Her prayer, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings in my life. Thank you for taking my cancer away. Help me to give thanks in all circumstances. Amen. I asked Jeff for permission a few months ago if I could share this. But the Sunday when we were 
all praying as a congregation for Hattie before she knew what her test results would be. She took out her card and wrote on the back, God, I love you, Hattie. Faith of a child. To me, that's what this campaign is about. It's about fulfilling God's purposes as a church. It's longing to be in his presence and it's desiring with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength to be about his plans for the next generation. We want to offer an invitation. We do it every week because we think it's important. So this morning, if you want to respond to the invitation, if you make a faith declaration, we'll stop everything in order for you to proclaim the precious name of Jesus Christ. Or certainly if you have prayers that you'd like our whole congregation here, come down front. Or our shepherds and wives will be around back. They will stop whatever they're doing to hear what's going on in your life. If we can help you in any way, come now as we stand as we sing.